Now, remember last week I told you uh, four benefits of coming to church. You know why Satan will fight you every time you're getting ready to come for church service? Reminding you of how broke you are. Reminding you of how tired you are. There's a reason he does that. And please don't fall for Satan's traps. He doesn't convince you not to go to work. You know why? Because it doesn't mean anything to him. There's no spiritual value in, a, in going to work. You don't gain anything spiritual in going to work. So that one, it doesn't mind. You know that if you don't go to work, your boss will have a problem, so you have to go. But when it's got to do with church, there is a problem. He knows that spending a day with God is better than thousand elsewhere. We read that in Psalm 84, the verse 10. The benefits that you gain in coming for just one church meeting, a single church meeting, can never be compared to being in any place. In other words, you go to work from Monday till Friday. When you meet on Wednesday, you meet on Friday, you meet on Sunday. Now, the benefits you gain, all those days you go to work, can never be compared to it. You know why? Because when you go to work, you go to... Um, a company okay you just go to offer your services to the company they pay you and that's all you gain from that work but the gains that we have when we come to church supersedes the gains you have when you go to work the only thing a job can give you is to give you salary the job cannot protect you it cannot change you I don't, I don't think there's anybody who's going to work and the work has changed him rather to be in a negative but when you read this psalm he says a day in thy court it just begins to explain why it is better now the word better here is not trying to compare good better best as if it is better but not best no that word better here is to explain the value the importance the benefit in coming to church and look what he says he says for the lord is a son i told you one of the benefits you gain in coming to church is radiation because you don't come before men you come before god unfortunately we have to do that by faith but it exists in the spirit it's god we come to meet and because god is a consuming fire and he the bible calls him a son so there is an energy of god that enters you it can happen through worship it can happen through the teaching. It can happen through cl closing prayer. It can happen through the striking of the keyboard. But there is something about God that radiates upon us when we come to church. Number two is shield. That is protection. So number one is radiation. Number two is what? Protection. There are some of you who were saved by accidents, untimely death. Your parents, other people were just saved without you knowing Evil things were averted in your life without you knowing just by coming to an anointed meeting. And mind you, it's not just every church you go and experience this. A church where God and his name is proclaimed. A church that is anointed. And number three, he says grace. That word grace there is favor. And number four is glory, which in Hebrew is, Hebrew is covered, which means weight. You become more heavier in every meeting you attend. Are you following me? 
That's why there's an attitude. Don't think what I'm saying is automatic. It won't happen to you just because you came to church. There's, the, there's an attitude and a posture you assume in your heart. Your heart must be before the Lord. Your mind must be before him. You don't come to church and you're absent-minded. You don't come to church and you're WhatsApping and maybe laughing with friends on a group and you are chatting, laughing. That's this honor. Praise God. But anyway, let's just keep moving. You see, there is no time. Okay? So any opportunity God has to raise you, you have to yield yourself quickly. There's no time. Right now, Russia is losing a lot of soldiers on the battlefield. So now they've called out that they want to recruit 300,000 citizens and train them as soldiers in one month. So you can imagine in a spiritual realm, God is not looking for people to train them quickly. You know why? Because it, on the outside, it seems God is losing the battle. Too many Christians have given themselves for Satan to use them. Every opportunity they have, they hear the word of God, they don't put it to use. They take notes, yet they don't take note of the notes they take. You teach them about prayer, they don't pray. You teach them about fasting, they don't fast. They don't want to be trained. And right now, listen, God's army is suffering. Because we have too many selfish soldiers who don't want to be trained. They are thinking of themselves and their salary. But we don't know that in our work, wherever we find ourselves, we are, we, we, we are ambassadors of Christ. We are soldiers of Jesus Christ representing a kingdom. You are not an individual looking for a salary. You are a believer who is a soldier representing the kingdom of heaven. It's high time many Christians understand this. It's no joke. Being a Christian is no joke. It's not luxury. It's war. Satan has deployed his soldiers, his army men, and they are on an agenda to bring Christians down. To make sure Christians don't serve God again. To make sure Christians don't worship again. To make sure Christians don't pray again. To make sure Christians don't make time for Jesus again. To make sure Christians are corrupted, defiled. So that you see a Christian worshiper who is worshiping defiled. To see a Christian worker who is coming for church service but his heart it is disaligned with God and he's okay. And we don't know that this battle is against the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light. The earlier you yield yourself, the better God prepares you for the work that is ahead. The Lord help us. So we are teaching on quiet time. The power and importance of quiet time. I've told you that a lot of times when many hear quiet time it's one of the most trivialized um, subjects that you can hear someone speaking about. It's, it's so trivialized that even men of God don't talk about it again. All is quiet time. You just take your Bible, read something about God and leave. We've not realized the importance and power of quiet time in the life of the Christian as part of his relationship with God. 
listen we are spirit beings in a human body never forget that we are spirit beings in a human body the real you is not the you on the outside the real you is the you on the inside so if there's any focus and attention it is not the you on the outside am i helping someone here i'm speaking by the holy ghost now so if all you do in this life is to decorate your outside which is going to be buried and get rotting and you leave the inside unattended to in the name of i am busy i'm doing something i'm doing it when i get the time you are robbing yourself of a great treasure listen there is an outside makeup and inside makeup there is outside bathing and spiritual bathing there is outside decoration and spiritual decoration you need to understand that first Peter chapter 3 from the verse 1 to 4 gives us a vivid understanding of this reality i'm teaching you don't be the christian who only makes time for makeup and don't make up your inside look what the bible says he says likewise he wives be in subjection to your own husbands that if anyone obey not the word they may without the word be warned by the conversation or the character or behavior of the wives he's saying that our lives as christians should be a message that should be preached meaning there are two bibles one is with you and one is you so your life must be a message in that it becomes a word people can believe to believe god and when you read the next verse he says while they behold your chaste character the word conversation there is behavior with fear now look at the next verse who's adorning get that to me in NLT so they get what the Bible is saying here now he's saying in NLT don't be concerned about the outward beauty of fancy hairstyles expensive jewelry or beautiful clothes this 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 is a bomb and you know i'll look at you and tell you the truth right so so no so if your entire life is to save and buy new dresses for sunday service and nothing is changing up your life that dress you are buying is useless those shoes you are buying is useless it is better you wear one dress every sunday and something you wear new dresses on the inside every sunday if you are changing your spiritual wardrobe, there's no problem. But if you are changing only your physical wardrobe at the expense of that which is inward, you, you have a problem. And look, look at, listen. so he's telling you that you should clothe yourself instead with the beauty that comes from where? Within. The unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is so precious to God listen you, you must value what is precious to God many are valuing what is useless to God if people are always telling you you are looking beautiful and they can't say that about your inside you are not beautiful you're not and I'm telling you, there are many Christians who are beautiful on the outside, but ugly on the inside. They stink on the inside. They smell on the inside. There's no aroma. There's no deodorant on their inside. 
And the Bible is telling us what is precious to God. Give that to me in Amplified Version. In the verse 3 and 4 again. Let's read that in Amplified Version. Now, he says, let not yours be the merely external. So the Bible is also not saying that we're rags. It shouldn't be merely external adorning with elaborate interweaving and what nothing of the hair. The wearing of jewelry or changes of clothes. Next verse. But let it be the inward adorning and beauty of the hidden person. There is a hidden person inside you. Tell someone, there is a hidden person inside you. So look at that person inside you. Oh, you, didn't, you, didn't, you didn't say, look at that person inside you. Tell, tell the person, if that person inside you is thinking, you are thinking. Look, he says the hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible and unfading charm of a gentle and peaceful spirit which is not anxious or wrought up but, a very pre- but very precious in the sight of God. Oh, my goodness. I feel the Holy Ghost. So you see, remember I told you that quiet time is the believer's personal what? Church service. Likewise. Quiet time is the believer's makeup session. How do I know that? Remember in quiet time you do worship. In quiet time you read your Bible and in quiet time you pray. Now look with me to James chapter 1 from the verse 23 James 1 23 now come to 22 now watch that now look he's saying that be doers of the word and not what hearers only now give that to me in NLT quickly he says don't just listen to God's word you must do what he says otherwise you are only what fooling yourselves. So many come to church every Sunday fooling themselves. Now look at the next verse. He says, for if you listen to the word and don't obey, it is like glancing your face in a mirror. Next verse. You see yourself, walk away and forget what you look like. Next verse. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, that's what the the word of God does. It's supposed to set you free. And if you do what he says, don't forget what you heard. Then God will bless you for doing it. Do you know what it means? There is blessing in quiet time. So, quiet time is how you look into a spiritual mirror to see the faults of what is inside you and then you deal with it. Because when you look into a mirror, you see uh, that, okay, this area, the pawns is too much. Let me just this area the foundation was too much you know you just work on it you realize that your this thing uh, eyelash uh, is it eyelash eyebrow instead of using the black thing here maybe you didn't look into a mirror then you did this ah and it came here like that you did this ah and it came here like this then you are looking like bubble color so when you look into the mirror like no this is bubble color so in quiet time you check your real face 
before God. How God is seeing you. Are we getting this thing? So imagine you go for one month without doing your quiet time because you say you are busy. There is a problem. So now, last week, we explained that the quiet time is the best definition of what? Abiding in Christ. It is the best definition of what? Abiding in Christ. So when Jesus was telling us through command that abide in me, what he's saying technically is what? Quiet time. Remain in me. Rest in me. Draw your strength in me. Continue in me. I explained that last week. Go and get the teaching on the podcast or you can go to YouTube. So we began to look at problems of not abiding in Christ in the New Testament. We said, according to John chapter 15, one of the problems is what we call what? Fruit problems. You, you, you'll be barren spiritually when you don't abide. Number two is what? Purity problems. You will begin to experience filth, sinful practices in your life. Number three is what? Strength problems. You lack spiritual strength to transact God's ordeal. Number, three, number four is what? Withering problems. You begin to dry up. Number five is what? Suffering problems. You go through a lot of spiritual torture because you open doors for the enemy. Number six is what? Prayer problems. A lot of your prayers will never be answered. Number seven is what? Shame problems. You won't give glory to God. Number eight is what? Obeying problems. That means you walk in spiritual rebellion against God. And then number nine is what? Joy problems. You will never be joyful as a Christian. Never. Hallelujah. So now, quickly, I want to take you through the Old Testament problems of not abiding. We, last we looked, we looked at the New Testament. Old Testament problems of not abiding. Surprisingly, I checked that. The Lord showed that to me, and it was almost identical, just with a few differences. So, the Old Testament problems of not ab- abiding. Isaiah chapter 5 from the verse 1. Now, you see, when you do your, like this one-year Bible plan I've given to you, if you are following it, there are so many things that the Holy Spirit will be sharing with you. Some of the things I'm sharing with you are things I, I received when I was doing my one-year Bible reading plan. Now, look at the verse 1. He speaks a parable referring to Israel and Jerusalem to be specific. Now, he said... Now will I sing to my well-beloved a song of my beloved touching his vineyard. My well-beloved had a vineyard in a very fruitful hill. Now observe that. Look at the verse 2. And he fenced it and gathered out the stones thereof and planted it with the choicest vine and built a tower in the midst of it and also made a wine press therein. And he looked that it should bring forth grapes. Bring forth what? Which in the New Testament is called what? Fruit. The same thing. 
But instead, it brought for what? Wild grapes. That means grapes that is unpleasant. So, it is possible you may bear fruit, but that fruit is not a fruit God requires. So, technically, technically speaking, your life is bearing something. For example, there are different kinds of growths. Eh? There are growths that is natural. There are growths that are unnatural. For example, cancer is a growth, but it's a negative growth. Please, are you getting that? And that cancerous growth must be cut off. Because it's not normal growth. So, imagine, you can grow, but you may be growing in gossiping. You can be growing, and you may be growing in immorality. So, you, you can be growing anyway, but it depends on the kind of growth you are growing in. Likewise, he's telling us he was expecting grape fruit. But instead, he had what? Wild fruit. Now, look at the next verse, the verse 3. And now, all inhabitants of Jerusalem and men of Judah, judge, I pray you, between me and my vineyard. So he's saying that God is telling them in, through a parable that they should judge between me and my vineyard. We're going to see who that vineyard is. The next verse. What could have been done more to my vineyard that I have not done in it? Which message didn't I preach to you to bring you to repentance that I have not done? With prayer meetings, haven't I called you into as a father that you didn't attend? Because you are sitting home. Which fasting meetings have I ordered and you are not sick? And you say that you get tired and weak. God is asking the same question to you. Which podcast systems haven't I made available to help you to grow? God is asking you that same question. He says, wherefore, when I looked that it should bring forth grapes, brought it forth wild grapes. Listen, anytime God commits something to you, eh, it's actually a seed he's expecting a fruit. Be careful what you bring back to him. There's so many of you, the things God is expecting from you, you are giving him the opposite of it. He gave you a good pastor, you brought him bad character. He gave you a good message. You give him an unrepentant heart. And many of us should be crying by now because God is also asking. I want to read the verse 4 again. What could have been done more to my vineyard that I have not done in it? God is asking, what, what could have been done that me, God, have not done? That you are still producing wild grapes. Now look at the verse 5. God is concerned about your life. Oh. He's concerned about your life. He's concerned about your prayerlessness. He's concerned about the way you neglect him for other things. He's concerned about the way your phone is taking your heart away from him. He's concerned about the way your boyfriend is taking your heart away from him. 
He's concerned about the way your girlfriend has taken your heart from him. He's concerned. About the way chilling and entertainment and bad friends are more valuable to him, to you, than to him. He's concerned. He's asking the same question. And he said in the verse 5, and now go to, I will tell you what will I do to my vineyard? I would, ah, he's about to say some things here. That's what we are building it. He says, I will take what? Away the hedge thereof and it shall be what? Eating up and break down the wall thereof and it shall be what? Trodden down. I will lay it what? Waste. It shall not be pruned nor digged and there shall come up breasts and tongues. I will also command the clouds that they rain no, that rain no rain upon it. Hey! Now look at the verse 7. He says, for the vineyard of the Lord is the house of Israel. And guess what? Guess what? Look at the book of Galatians. Let's look who he's talking about here in New Testament prophecy. Galatians chapter 6. Give that to me in the verse 16. So you understand something. The apostle Paul drew attention to something. As many as walk according to this rule, peace be upon them and mercy upon the Israel of God. So, anytime you read something about Israel in the Old Testament, in the spirit, who is he referring to us prophetically? You! Because you are God's spiritual Israel today. So today, God's Israel is no more Jerusalem because they rejected him. They are no more the people of God. Today, the people of God are the church. So we are the spiritual Israel. So if Isaiah, through God's parabolic um, statement or story, was referring to a fruit he was expecting to have by the investment he had made, and they were not yielding it, out of pain, he began to teach us what happens to people who God is expecting fruit and they're not producing it. So the book of Isaiah also now began to give us problems of not abiding. And that one is so heavy. I just read it to you. Now, we want to look at the problems. Are you ready? Now, look at what he says in Isaiah. He says, number one, what is going to happen to you? What? Do what? Come to the verse 5. Today I'm doing a service with you. Now, look at the verse 6. Or is it the verse 5? Yes, the verse 5. Now look. He says what? I'll take away the hedge. The first problem of not abiding in Christ in order to produce food is no hedge. In other words, you are exposed and vulnerable. Any believer who does not continue to abide in Christ in order to bear fruit, that believer will have no hedge around him. That means you'll be exposed. If you look at a garden, that does not have a hedge. There's exposure. Now, try doing a farm without a hedge. Everybody will come and eat in it. People will even come and poo-poo on the, on the land. And they go. Poo-pooers. People will come and smoke weed. You know why? Because there's no hedge. It's vulnerable. It's exposed. Listen, in life, anything that is exposed can cause a problem. If you give birth to a child and you expose the baby so much to the fun, 
the baby can develop what? Pneumonia. He's saying he's going to take away the hedge. So the first problem of not abiding is what? No hedge. Number two, he says you'll be eating up. That means you'll be devourable. Look at 1 Peter chapter 5, the verse 8. 1 Peter 5, 8. Look, he says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversity, the Bible is telling you that you have an enemy, the devil. I've heard believers say that for me, I've not touched Satan, I'm not expecting him to touch him. I'm not expecting him to touch me. You don't get this thing. Satan is not expecting you to touch him. He will touch you anyway. So he's saying, as a roaring lion walketh about, doing what? Seeking whom he may eat. That's the word devour. Consume. So you don't believe who is not praying. You don't believe who is not making time with your maker, with your creator, with your savior, Jesus Christ, your lover. He's saying that you are making yourself what? Devourable. He says, seeking whom he may devour. That means not all believers are devourable. Like me. I am not devourable. Satan can't devour me. Of course, he may bring attacks. It's normal. There's no believer here who doesn't go through certain kinds of attacks. But he can't devour me. Are we getting this thing? So you become devourable. That's the second problem. The third problem. Look at that for yourself. I want you to, you now you should see it. What's the next one? What? The second one was being eaten up. Next one is break down. That means no protection. He says, I'll break down the wall, the wall thereof. So there'll be no protection. Walls are protection. The walls of Jericho was protecting the Jerichans. When it came down, they lost their protection. And that whole town became a town of misery. Are you getting this thing? So you lose your protection. And hear me. Listen. Listen. Are, are you following this thing? I'm sure many Christians are like, ah, if God says he loves me, if God says he loves me, why is it that he will give me no protection? If he truly loves me, let me be technical with you. If I give you a padlock to lock your house and you don't lock it and thieves come in, is it my fault? <laughs> you didn't get this thing. If I buy you a phone and I tell you there is a password session in settings, so set it so you can be able to protect your phone and you don't protect it and someone steals your phone and he can open your phone. Was it the giver of the phone that caused it? You see, many Christians don't understand this. God has given you his promises, but there is a means through which you can activate them. Okay, some of you, it will take you 10 years to understand it. The fact that God has promised something to you does not mean it will happen. There are conditions for enjoying God's promises. You've got to write this down. This is a very important thing I'm teaching you. There are conditions for enjoying God's promises. Now, look at Psalm 91, verse 11. Psalm 91, verse 11. 
Now look, now let's read this verse together, okay? Are, are you still writing? All right, let's read this verse together. You're going to read it as loud as possible. One, two, and let's go. Hold on. Now imagine you, you are the type of Christian that reads the Bible in Timi Timi Nyamali. Um, okay. Uh, he shall regard what the Lord shall build up Zion. He shall appear in his glory. Okay, thank you, Father. If you're that kind of Christian, you see this verse and you see that, ah, but God says to give his angels charge over me. You have not read Psalm 91, the verse 1. Look at the condition to enjoy this promise. Look at the verse 1. He says, let's read together. One to go. He that. He that. Where? Secret place of the most high. Shall. So, 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 so. Now, this this verse which was a promise that he shall give his angels who is going to have this verse activated dwellers and abiders so this verse in Psalm 91 11 is for dwellers and abiders those who dwell in the secret place that is prayer when you go into prayer you appear before the God in the secret that God nobody can see with the physical eyes they shall abide under the shadow of the almighty anytime you are in the presence of God through quiet time you are abiding under the shadow of his wings then he says he shall give his angels now watch that watch that watch that watch that are you, are you getting this thing now God is always surrounded by angels anyone who spends time in his presence will be surrounded by those same angels You see, you are not clapping because you are unspiritual. You are looking at me as if what I'm sharing, it does not mean anything to you. Because so, God is always what? Surrounded by what? Angels. So anyone who is in his presence will be surrounded by angels. Today I'm giving you spiritual mathematics. We are working at an equation. Why you are going to what you so when I find a Christian who is saying that I've served God faithfully, what has he done for me? I say, Shut up! Let's analyze your life first. Listen, nobody has the right to accuse God. No human being on this earth has the right to accuse God. We will hear your side of the story. Let us hear God's side. And we realize that you were the one who was causing it all this while. You didn't ask him. Before you were going out with that boy, uh, yeah, I'll press that button. And you started enjoying some slaps. And you said, God has filled me. God, why me? Hold on. Let's assume that you didn't inquire from God about that boy. You didn't inquire. Let's assume you didn't inquire. Now, there's another test. As you are working with that guy, you'll be observing some few things. How? Through God's word. God's word will expose him. It will give you signs of who you should be dating as a Christian. Let's assume this person is ungodly. As you are sharing the word of God with the person, what is his response? Media, this church, me, I don't like this church. Oh. You tell him two years. Me and don't this is the last time you're talking about church. Hey! Don't talk about church, please. 
you know it's, it's you are love. You are love. It's not church. Hey! You know my love is genuine towards you. But don't bring church. Please. Please. Don't bring this thing called church. It is between me and you. Listen. There is no God. There is no relation that God is not in between. So if anybody is telling you that it's between me and you and God is not in between. You know what he's bringing? He's bringing Satan in between. Look at the garden. When God left their between, Satan came. <laughs> you see, you're not clapping because I did not count so good time. I count. I'm bold. Who's doing boy in the hole? Hey, yo, you're so big, John. Oh, hey, yo, you're so big, John. It's one more one, Hey, yo, yeah. Don't be so good, I know. I say you're offended. Your offense is not my problem. <laughs> I prayed before coming. Missy, I'm not paying what come my name is Target. <laughs> so, 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 the word of God will reveal the heart of that guy. He can't hide for long. No. And God will expose all the signs. Rebellion. No heart for God. No repentance. He can't even say sorry to you. So selfish. These are all signs. God's word will expose him. So now, if you don't listen to these signs and you say you are falling in love, I'm in love. I'm in love. Oh. With Kwame, I'm in love. <laughs> then you stand on the altar. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. <laughs> then you enter. First two years was like a little battle. By the time you enter third year, slappings, clappings. Clubbings, <laughs> thunderings, <laughs> soundings, findings. <laughs> you are finding all these things. Then you see, so you find a Christian crying on the altar. He said, God, <laughs> why? What have I done to you that you're making me go through all this pain? God, do you have a heart? And God is watching you like this. Angel, Michael, attack her. One inch, dear mommy. There are some of you, God spoke to you through my teaching. And mind you, when I'm teaching, it's the Holy Ghost that has taken over. So, whatever I'm sharing with you, in as much as there will be a little human element in it, because we, we, cannot, we, we cannot avoid that human element in our lives but despite that God uses us to minister to you you hear a word out of that one hour teaching something will hit you you know it was God talking to you and let me tell you something God's voice eh, it doesn't come forcefully against your will it will come to you you know it is his voice and most of you will ignore that voice and you see you can live here and so God spoke to you about something and you live here and within two minutes you forget it and some of you that season you missed, it will cost you the next 10 years again to recover. 
Because whatever message I'm teaching you is, is quite seasonal. This year, as part of our discipleship, I'm teaching more on your relationship with God. I don't know where God is going to lead us in the next two years. I may be talking about the Holy Spirit. I may be talking about evangelism. And you may not have that chance to hear what you're hearing now. So if you don't make alignment whilst you're hearing it, it will cost you. Am I teaching good? Remember I told you the other time that the curse that was released upon man was that he was going to go back to what? Dust. And the curse released for the serpent, which is Satan, was that he was going to eat dust. So, if man was going to go back to dust and Satan was going to eat what? Dust. Simply put, Satan feeds on man's fleshliness, man's carnality. So the more carnal you are as a Christian, the more unspiritual you are as a Christian, you make yourself devourable. In other words, if you keep your carnality, that life that is not growing in God, you are actually using that life to prepare food for Satan. You are using your anger that you have not repented from. You've not asked help from God. You are using the anger to prepare food for him. He will eat out of the anger. He will eat your life up. He will devour your life up. That last you have not dealt with. You are using that last to prepare food for the enemy. He will come for that food. He will. He will. Yesterday, one of the ministers sent me a picture. Maybe let me read it for you. Sent me a picture of something somebody has written. I didn't know whether to laugh because <laughs> he said, I stay with mom, stepdad, and stepbrother. My mom works far from home and only comes home weekends. My stepfather is a teacher and stepbrother is just lazing around at home. What did we say about people who are bored? Alright, let's continue. I have been sleeping with my stepbrother secretly since 2020. Late last year, my stepfather used money to lure me into bed with him. So I sleep with him whenever he wants and gives me money. My boyfriend stays five streets from my house and I see him whenever he's not at school. That means he sleeps with the boyfriend. So three in one. We call it threesome. Okay. My problem is I just discovered I am HIV positive. I have no idea who I got it from. I am not sure if my mom and stepfather use protection, of course they won't. But I am scared for her. I am stressed about my own health and also about my mom because she's a good woman. I want to tell all these people about my positive results, but doing so will expose that I have been sleeping with all of them. And it might cause bigger problems. Please help a girl out. 
Helper. She's asking for help. She's asking for your help. Go help her. I call no bonnie. I call no bonnie. Listen. And every desire in the DHU. Like I'm telling you the truth. Slept with a stepfather. Slept with a stepbrother. And he's sleeping with a boyfriend. How are you able to manage it like this? And now one of them has given her HIV AIDS. And obviously, the stepfather has it. Stepbrother had it, has it. What? Boyfriend has it. Now, now, now. Do you see how Satan is winning? This girl, let's assume, is a very young girl. And this girl has come to church. What message will you preach to change HIV positive into negative? So when you come to a meeting and I'm giving you Holy Ghost immune virus to make you positive in the Holy Ghost, take it to. I'm telling you. Look at the mice. When we are telling you to serve God, it is for your good. I'm telling you. When we are telling you to run away from immorality, it is for your good. It comes with problems. Do you know there's no free sex anywhere? There's no sex that is free. Have it and pay later. I'm telling you. Is that how you pay through pampers? You pay through school fees. You pay through medication. You pay through dealing with infections. You pay through disgrace. You pay through shame. One way or the other. There is no free sex. No. And I've come to notice something. Check the Bible. Anytime you see immorality, you see murder and premature death. Check it. David slept with someone's wife. He ended up killing the person to cover up the shame. I'm told that one person in top government, there were two, they were, f- <laughs> oh my goodness. You know my problem? They come to church every Sunday. They've been given top positions. Listen, sometimes there's some positions are, are designed to kill you. And they are, both of them are making money in their own dimensions. One was removed from office in the government. You know why? You know what caused it? They were all chasing the same girl. And both of them are married. And one had a, a, one had a upper hand. You know why? Because he's like somebody who, uh, the kind of job he's doing, they can investigate any matter. So he said, oh, Jimmy, girl. I'll bring you down. He went to do every investigation about some fraudulent deals the guy did and brought up the case. Spread it on radio. And the guy was brought out. And he was sacked. And the guy's reply was that, don't worry, you're still my small boy. You're still my small boy. I was like, "Eh? what was that? Government officials who have been brought to be able to help poor people, help regulate systems that will help people live comfortable lives. You are using money to take care of small girls and you are fighting over a small girl. Listen, many will answer before Jesus. I'm telling you. 
many will answer before Jesus. How poor people, poor taxpayers are crying. Now every landlord wants to take two years advance. Nobody has mercy. And some are charging in dollars. And they tell you don't increase their price. As long as the dollar is increasing, you are paying. And they don't care. The same salary you have, 1,000 Ghana cities, you have to save that money for three years and give it back to a landlord who has no mercy. And this is what we are doing to ourselves. And we say, we say there's corruption in government. There's corruption everywhere. Because we have no pity for anybody. We don't think about people. We only think about ourselves and our children. That's what is happening to our generation. And unfortunately, many of us out there are Christians. So where does God get glory? When does God get glory? Sleep with me before I give you a job. Where does he get glory? So now fine girls can be fine again. Because as long as you are fine, Obi Beso, you are fine. What's happening now? It's not funny anymore. And sometimes I just imagine God sitting up there, seeing what not humanity, seeing what his own people, his own children are doing to him. Only concerned about themselves. It's a shame. Ah, Father, please help us. Let me go back to my teaching. Listen, anytime you are taking a decision, eh, think of God too and his name. Don't spoil his name. Because when a Christian spoils his name, he has spoiled God's name. Do you know when you get married, it, my wife was called Okine. When I got married to her, she became Papo, Mrs. Papo. So now her name is lost in my name. When you believe Jesus Christ, your name is lost in his name. So much so that when you taint your name, you taint his name. Because you are lost in him now. His name has become your name. That's why you are a Christian. You are of Christ. You are in Christ. Any bad name you give yourself, you, you, you are not the only one who suffers it. So listen, you know, you know, many are looking for what they can get. What about God? What about God's interest? What about God's name? And I'm telling you the foundation. The foundation is because many Christians have stopped doing their quiet time. So God can't talk to them again. God can't rebuke them again. God doesn't have a word for them. God has not enveloped them with his grace and presence. They've left the sacred place. And anytime you leave the sacred place, you are, yours. You are by yourself. You are alone. You are alone. You expose yourself. You are alone. So there are some people, their work is what took them out of the sacred place. And God is asking many of you like he asked Adam. Adam, where are you? Where? Ask the person beside you. Where are you? Where are you? Where? Where are you? You think it's a shame to serve God? You think it's a shame to serve God? You don't know the peace you have when you serve God. You don't know. You don't know the peace you have when you live in righteousness. You don't know. You don't know this thing. 
You don't know the joy there is in God. Satan is making us feel that it's an embarrassment to become a Christian. He's using your roommates, he's using your friends, he's using your colleagues at work. When you're telling them they're going to church, they tell you, hey, so you report church, church, church like that. When you receive fasting, he says, so you report fasting, fasting. You will get slim, oh. He's using some of these people. Listen, Satan will not come to you and appear as homes. He uses people. You must discern his voice. Jesus discerned the voice of Satan in Peter, his own body, body, and said to him, Master, you will not die. When Jesus knew it was written of him that he would die. And he says, what did he tell him? Get thee behind me, Satan. He discerned the voice of Satan in the man that was close to him. Sometimes Satan can use somebody close to you to voice out the poison inside you. It can even be your own mother. It can be your father, I'm telling you. It can be your own sibling. People you love, people who are attached to you, people, people, people you can't say no to. stand your ground for Jesus. There are people in an act of obeying Jesus. They disobey their parents. I am telling you the truth. My parents are preachers. But if I listen to my parents 15 years ago, there will be no Isaac of Papo that you are blessed, you are being blessed by. Because when I started moving in fasting, they were telling me I should stop. I'm exposing myself to the devil. I'll be counseling people, casting out devils. My mom will be looking at my place. He said, Chai! Then I'm still fasting. They come and give me food. They say I should eat. They say I should eat the food. I said, okay. When they leave, I go and hide the food. And I'm still fasting. I'll spend time in room. In fact, I lost one of my very great friends. He's in Ukraine now. The day he was about traveling, he came to my place to come and say bye-bye to me. I was in prayer. They came to call me. I said, I'm with God. I'm not coming out until I'm done. He got offended, stood up, and went that night, since that time, he has never said hello to me again. But thank God, I stayed with God. I don't care him saying hello to me. I don't care him saying hello to me. I thank God so much, I've not regretted. You guys are afraid of faces of people. You are afraid of faces of people. I don't care anymore. If I am with my God, I am glad. They stopped me several times. He stopped me several times. I said, listen, I'm ready to disobey my parents because of Jesus. Now, I'm not saying disobey your parents, but make sure you should be in the Lord. Your obedience to your parents must be in the Lord. That's what the Bible said. Obey your parents in the Lord. Hard to do it. And today you are enjoying from a man that pays certain prices. Listen, I didn't start ministry four years ago. So if you're thinking that LGC is four years, so because I'm, uh, I'm uh, the church started four years, that means I'm doing ministry four years. No, I'm telling you. I've done this thing for a time. I've walked before to church several times. Two hours walking to church. Many of us are looking for comfort. Sometimes God creates certain avenues to help us to stretch ourselves. And there are some Christians, if they, there's no Uber, they won't come. There's no bus, they won't come to church. And I wonder, I said, how can God get glory out of you? There is no sacrifice in your Christianity. There's no sacrifice in your Christianity. Check any Christian who does not want to sacrifice anything for Jesus. We are doing fasting, say you won't do it. We are praying, say you won't pray. We are coming to church, say you won't come. Check that Christian's life in the next five years. Check the Christian's life. Crisis! I know what I'm saying. There are crises for rejecting Christ. I'm telling you. Listen to me. When you believe Jesus Christ, you will escape hell. 
when you reject Jesus Christ as a Christian, you go through hell on earth. When you believe Jesus Christ, you escape hell. But as a Christian, when you reject Jesus Christ, you can go through hell on earth. You won't go there in eternity. No. But you can go through hell on earth. Satan will bring his hellfire in your life and you realize that everything is crashing. You are depressed. You lose your joy. It seems nothing is working. I am telling you the foundation. Start with a relationship with God and you'll see everything just popping up just like that. Favor just coming like that. You cannot stay with the God of grace and not walk in grace. You cannot stay with a consuming fire and not be consumed by the fire. You cannot stay with the God of glory and not have glory rub upon your life. It's not possible. You cannot, you cannot be with the God of all, all knowledge and not have a word of knowledge. No, it's not possible. You cannot be with the God of power and not have power. It's not possible. No. Listen, what are you looking for? That is not in God. Someone says, it's better we go to the devil because Satan does it fast. You know, you don't get this thing. What is fast in going for juju powers to make money and you have three years to live? Is that fast? Listen, what God seeks to achieve is not the same as what Satan seeks to achieve. Satan's achievement at the end of whatever he's doing is to bring your distraction. God's achievement at the end of the day is to bring your life in alignment to his purposes. So to God, if you have to stay broke for five years to make you more Christ-like, he'll make you go through it. But the end is glorious. Are you getting this thing at all? So listen to me. If you, if you are the kind of Christian that wants things fast, you know, fast, miracle fast, let me share something with you that I'm beginning to experience. Now, if you start a relationship with somebody, a guy or a girl going out, and two weeks you started going out, then you started asking the person for needs. Do you know what you're doing? You are hurting the relationship. How can you go out with someone for two weeks and you're asking to buy you a phone? What is wrong with you? Up to now, my wife doesn't ask me for money. So I must be discerning to give her money. I'm not saying you should do the same after marriage, Joe. But I'm just giving you the kind of mentality my wife had. And sometimes I'm bothered. Why are you not asking me? You ask me, let me tell you, I don't have it. She won't. Now, if you go out with someone eh, and you, you, you start going out two weeks, three weeks, and you're asking, why are you sad? You don't even know what is wrong with me. If you know what is wrong with me, you even, you even be pity for me. Oh, please tell me, I don't have money. Now, when you are doing that, indirectly, you are trying to, you are trying to ask for money. That's not how relationships are built. Let the person know you are interested in him and not what he has. That's how relationships are built. By the grace of God, I'm privileged to be very close to Prophet Nana Pokusako here by the grace of God. There is no, there's nothing on this earth eh, that has fiscal glory this man does not have. His church even bought him a Rolls Royce over $400,000 as part of his 15 cars. 
Then imagine by the grace of God, God made me found favor before him. And within one month of relating with him, I said, hmm, Papa, my rental. <laughs> he has the money. But it's a procedure. Hmm, Daddy. Ah, what's up? What's Why are you sad like that? The mean didi. In didi. Now, before I met him, wasn't I eating? Before you met that boy, weren't you using a phone? So, how were you surviving? That you are now wanting to use him to finish school. Now, let me tell you what's going to happen to that relationship. A time is going to come, you don't realize that no, this guy draw close to me for what he can get. Do you know what's going to happen? After two months, I will call him, he will never pick up again. And that's how I destroyed my relationship with him. I get what I'm saying. So now, you build a relationship not on the premise of asking. You build a relationship on the promise of what? Love. Now listen to me. In the process of strengthening the relationship, you can feel each other's needs. You get to know that ah, anytime I'm talking to this lady, her phone breaks. The phone breaks. So I'm saying, the boy, then she said, the then you hear playing instead of the boys playing. They realize that they are breakages in the phone. They say, ah, why is your phone breaking? That's not just, oh, don't worry, don't worry, it's fine. I'm sure it's a network problem. Meanwhile, you know it's a phone problem. You are making it hard for him to know that you need something. Sometimes this is a price you have to pay when you want to win someone's heart and let the person know that you love the person for who he is. And the person will come one day and see you and you'll be talking to somebody, the same problem is happening. When you are standing at a place where the network is good, and the person will ask you, Ah, but you told me it was a network. So don't worry. It was an issue I had last time. You have built a relation for more than two years now. He got to know that it's ah, there are breakages in the phone. They said, Ah, did you realize that this person needs a phone? She didn't ask you, he didn't ask you. But now in the relationship, you are now concerned about the needs of each other. So you can discern the need. So now, the day you ask something after some years, that means you have built the relationship in a certain dimension that you ask when it is extremely necessary. That's how we build relationships. And that's what many are doing to God. They only come for needs. God, my mother is sick. Healer. Lord, I don't have a job. Give me a job. Lord, I don't have promotion. You now you know. You said um, um, SD card promotion. Memory card promotion. So you come to God for promotion. You come to him. You are building a relationship with him now. So listen to me. The more you go deeper in your relationship with God, God will start discerning your needs and he'll be bringing them. I am telling you before God and man, I don't tell God I'm broke. He knows it when I'm broke. <laughs> you, when the money finishes, boom, provision comes from somewhere I never imagined. And that's how God was, works with me. 
So my relationship with Jesus is not needs oriented. It's not transactional. It's relational. It's built and founded upon love. And you see, so that is the goal of God. That's what God wants to achieve. It's not in meeting your need. It's in building a life with you. That person you're in a relationship with is going to be a future life partner. God saying, God is saying, my relationship with you is going to, you're going to, I want you to be my life partner. Because actually, this earth is short. The real marriage is going to be in heaven forever. That's why you're the bride of Christ. Right now, you need Jesus here. That's what she has said. She's very spiritual. You need Jesus The real marriage supper is there. The groomsmen are the 12 apostles. In the 12 tribes, the best man is John the Baptist. <laughs> There's no page boy, and the bride is you. So, listen right now, eh, it's more of courtship than the real thing called marriage. So caught with Jesus well before you get into eternity. Get to know what he wants and what he doesn't want. When he says he doesn't want this, don't do it. Don't do it. When I was dating my wife, there are some things that she didn't want me to do. There are some things I didn't want her to do. I told her. She told me. And for us to bond, we don't have to sacrifice it. There are some of the things I learned it from my parents. I learned it from the house I came from. My toothpaste, I press it from the bottom. She pressed it from the middle. I did it once, then I came to arrange it again. Then she pressed the middle. I came to arrange it again. Then she pressed the middle. No, I scatter no. That was not how we were doing it. And I told her, oh, arrange the thing so that the thing looks neat. Then she scattered it. Then I said, ah, now nah, I didn't cry toothpaste. What has toothpaste got to do with our relationship? Then I also start pressing from the middle. <laughs> so we are all sacrificing for each other. It's not about you, it's not about me, it's about us. I'm teaching good. I've closed. Okay. Let me tell you. Now, bring, uh, where is Mr. Pong? Bring me the um, photocopy uh, or the uh, receipt book. It's a privilege. And don't know. Be worried that you have not done your quiet time when you are in the office. And you are trying to find some space. You are trying to find time. Your people, the people, your colleagues are trying to talk to you. Then you want to go and look for a place and hide and pray for 30 minutes. You sacrifice your break time. 
When God starts seeing that, he gets excited because what makes relationship bond is sacrifice. Sacrifice. I will spend time with my maker. He saved me. He's my lover and I love him. I want to make him proud. Listen, the greatest thing you ever go through when we appear in heaven is that he didn't love him. Uber ferry. I'm telling you, it's the highest ship you can go through. Give me a blue pen. Now, this is a receipt book, okay? Now, always remember that a receipt book has something else under it. What's that? A carbon copy, right? What's the purpose? What? To do what? Duplicate what, what you write upon the original. All right. So I want to write a check of 50... Thousand million billion. When I'm done, someone should come for that check. Cash it at Unibank. Dollars. Signed by Isaac Lafpapu. God's billionaire. So how much is this? 50,000 million billion trillion dollars. That's what I just signed, right? Now, guess what? When you turn to the next page, what just happened? We have the copy. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the benefit of our relationship with God. We are always close to him. This is what happens when you abide in him. You are directly under him. Whatever goes through God, goes through you. Whatever God has is duplicated in your life. Whatever God receives, you receive. Whatever God enjoys, you enjoy. You know why? Because you are carbon what? You are carbon sheet. Stay with him. If he signs a check, you get the check. So that's the benefit of staying with God. Of gluing to God of abiding in the secret place, of dwelling under the shadow of the Almighty, you will never be the same. There are no regrets in serving God when serving God is right. God bless you. You want to bow down your head? We are talking about real Christianity here enough of the fake Christianity tell God that you mean business with him 
and that is you help you to remain faithful in your secret place. Everything about your life hangs on this thing. I won't stop preaching this. I won't stop preaching this. You hear this in the next 30 years. Everything about your life is founded upon your secret place. Such that if you lose your secret place, you lose everything. It's just a matter of time. Everything will crumble when you crumble your secret place. Don't be deceived. That very thing keeping you busy could be that very thing that will draw your heart away from God like Solomon. Solomon was busy with working as a king that he forgot his duty before the king of kings. God has made us kings just like Solomon. But our first duty is not to make treaties with men. It's not to make alliances with men. Don't be like Solomon. Who was busy making alliances with men until his heart was corrupted by those men and women that he made alliances with. Began to marry their wives. Marry their daughters. Then gradually... He forgot his union with God. He forgot his covenant with God. He forgot his duty to God. He forgot his relationship with God. He forgot the tradition his father David left for him. He forgot that his father was a man after God's own heart. While David was a man after God's own heart, the Bible says Solomon's heart began to depart from God. What happened to like father, like son? His father was a king. He was also a king. But the challenge is where your heart were. Where is your heart now? Tell the Lord to shape your heart. Anything that is the reason why you are not giving your heart to Jesus will be that same reason that will corrupt and defile you as a child of God. You don't know this. I know what I'm telling you. Your pastor knows what he's telling you. There are consequences for rejecting Jesus. There are negative prices to pay for neglecting Jesus. He doesn't cause it. You cause it. When a child is working with a father somewhere and the child refuses to hold his father's hands he will get lost as long as the child is holding daddy's hands the child is safe because where daddy goes he goes many of you have left the hands of Jesus for work many of you have left the hands of Jesus for gold many of you have left the hands of Jesus for marriage many of you have left the hands of Jesus for your children you have left the hands of Jesus for your phone you have left the hands of Jesus for social media you have left the hands of Jesus for entertainment you have left the hands of Jesus for season movies you've left the hands of Jesus for your education you have left the hands of Jesus for your friends you've left the hands of Jesus for your husband for your wife you have left his hands there are prices there are consequences for leaving his hands.
His hands that are always stretched to receive you. Oh, I know. I know. I know what I say. Father, help your church. Empower us with grace. Infuse us with an energy that will seek your face. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.